your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. In today's episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show, I sit down with Jen Walters, co-founder of Fit Bottomed Girls, author of the Fit Bottomed Girls Anti-Diet, one of the top 100 most influential health and fitness professionals in the world. She's been featured in Shape Magazine, the Huffington Post, and their Fit Bottomed Girls brand reaches millions of women and men every single month. And in today's episode, we talk about how to create a healthy life and business that you love and how she went from nothing in 2007, still working her day job, to eventually quitting her day job in 2012 and growing a business that is now one of the top 100 most influential in the world and changing the lives of millions of millions of women alongside with it. So if you're someone who has dealt with obsessing over the number on the scale or counting calories or this extremism where you're all in or all out with eating right and healthy lifestyle, or maybe you're just you, you just struggle to find what is really your driving force. What are the, the emotions that you want to experience more of in your life and the ones that you'd like to move away from and maybe experience a little bit less? This episode is for you. You can learn more about Jen Walters at fitbottomedgirls.com. That's F-I-T-B-O-T-T-O-M-E-D girls.com. And without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Jennifer Walters. And if you guys dig this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show, log on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review letting me know what you think. Although I can't personally respond to all of those, I do read all of them and it means everything when you guys take the time to leave a review because that's what helps us get noticed and reach more people and it's just awesome. And if you want more information on how to rapidly upgrade your energy and focus, check out biohackersguide.com. It's all of my best tips and tricks and biohacks, things that you can do to rapidly increase your energy, your body composition position to get stronger and more fit, but just more importantly, love your life and love the way that you feel and how to do it with the least amount of work. That's really what it's all about, right? So you can spend your time doing the other things that you love. That's www.biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages. You guys will absolutely love it. And we're giving it away for free for a limited time. We'll ship it anywhere in the world. We've got international shipping that was just added. So check it out, biohackersguide.com. And now, Enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks, and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. FBG Jen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so take me back a few years. How did you get started in health and wellness and running the, the Fit Bottom Girls movement? Oh, do you want the long story or the condensed story? Which one's more interesting? Abridged. Okay, probably the longer story because there's <laughs> there's personal details. That's always which, fun. Which one has more juicy? <laughs> which one's juicier? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I played some sports in high school. I enjoyed it. 
um, I got into college and I walked into, I went to the University of Missouri and I walked into the rec center and I took a group exercise class and it was like full of, you know, all college students, loud, like cheesy music. And it was so fun. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my calling. I've always wanted to be a pop star, but I have zero talent. So this will allow me to get in front of a crowd and do like really basic dance moves, like group exercise dance moves and have a little mic like Madonna or Paula Abdul and have a great time. (laughs) And so I started teaching group X and loved it. I taught all kinds of different formats. I'm teaching like yoga and spin and step and, uh, you know, cardio dance and kickboxing and all kinds of stuff. And I loved it. I loved it so much that um, once I got my certification and was teaching regularly, I had people coming up to me and they started asking more questions. Um, And I was like, okay, I don't really have the qualifications to answer these questions. Although I have read like pretty much everything under the sun with health and fitness because I really enjoy health and fitness. And so then I got certified as a personal trainer. And this is back in like early 2000s. So I started doing that. I started working on clients. And as I did that and was having a really great time, I myself, some some struggles that I had had in high school with wanting to be a different size, wanting to be a different shape, wanting to weigh a different amount, um, got just more and more amplified as... I started to perceive myself in a way that said, hey, if I'm going to give health and fitness advice, I need to look like that picture in that magazine. So I basically, I took a, a, a smaller issue that I had with body image, which I think is very common for most young girls and almost all women. And it just I just put the pressure on myself that I really felt like I had to look a certain way. So I started teaching all these other people and giving advice and helping them see results on the back end. I was really um, pretty miserable with my, with my own body. And I spent a lot of time obsessively counting calories over-exercising. And then after that would always come out of the other side and overeat, feel really bad about myself. And then, you know, once again, then heavily restrict even more. And it was just that yo-yo cycle of dieting on again, off again, that I think is so common for women, but it's what I found myself in. And uh, I continued on like that because that's also very culturally accepted, you know, like, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, (laughs) you ate too much, you hate yourself, we all do, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) that was all very normal. So I uh, continued on to graduate school. And um, my now husband, uh, then boyfriend asked me to marry him. And I said, yeah, I said, well, yeah, I said, yes. I didn't just say, yeah, <laughs> I was excited about it. Um, <laughs> right, right. No, I was, I was very excited, but as I got through planning my wedding, it dawned on me that if I didn't get a handle on this body image and this dieting thing that I was like literally obsessed with, obsessed with that the only thing I was going to worry about when I walked down the aisle was if my arms looked fat, if I fit in my dress. Like I was not going to be present or in the moment at all. I was going to be completely removed and miss out was what, you know, is one of the most important days of your life. And once I had that aha moment, I was like, holy crap, I have got to get this together. This is not, this is not okay. So I sought out the help of a registered dietitian 
who specialized in intuitive eating and emotional eating. And I mean, she was kind of like my therapist too, honestly. And her and I sat down and like one of the first things she said to me was, can you imagine what the women of this world could do if they stopped worrying about the number on the scale? And it was in that moment that I realized a, like how much I've been missing out on and B, like I felt like an asshole. You know, I, I, I it, very much in the moment I was like, oh my gosh, I've spent so much of my life obsessing over something that virtually means like nothing. I could have been doing so many other better things with my time and my upbringing and all the resources and everything that I have been blessed with. And instead I'm miserable because I wish that I lost 10 pounds. Like, holy cow, get over yourself, girl. And so that's, that was my personal aha moment. From that, that was back in the early part of 2007. After I got married and I really began to shift uh, so many of those patterns, beliefs about myself, I stopped under eating, um, I stopped over exercising. I really got a handle on all of that and began to give myself just like unconditional self-love all the time. Once I did that, I looked around at the at the the landscape of what was, and I'm a trained journalist, um, and I've done like some magazine work and stuff. So I, I looked around at what was online, and there were fitness blogs, but there weren't nearly as many as they were at the time, or as they are now. But we looked around, and I looked around at the magazines that were, you know, talking about health and fitness specifically for women, and almost all of it was always, "You'll be a better person if you lose ten pounds. You'll be an even better person if you live, lose more weight," and. I was like, oh my gosh, there needs to be another voice. And so um, along with one of my really good friends, I was like, here's, here's the concept. I want to do something that pretty much lets women know they're more than the number on the scale. I want them to have a place that they can go to that is fun. And it is like their best, most supportive friend who is standing right by them, giving them good advice and telling them what works and what doesn't. And it's just a community of women that can hear a different message then you are what you look like. And so that's where the creation and the mission of everything for Fit Bottom Girls started. And then since, since that point, that was in May of 2008, so we're coming up on almost a decade here in a little bit. Um, since that, that has sprouted into other websites, fitbottommamas.com, fitbottomeats.com, fitbottomzen.com. Each kind of have a, a slightly different mission that all springs from you're more than a number on the scale um, and a podcast and a book and a whole bunch of other stuff. But um, what's been really, really cool is to see how our even our mission has um, changed and evolved as uh, society and culture has evolved because in 2008, body image wasn't even something that really anyone was talking about. And now it is something that people do talk about, people are aware of, and everyone does kind of know like, okay, you can't, you can't hit yourself healthy. Like there's, there's a better, there's a different way to do that. So it's been really fun. Very cool. Okay. Some, some questions that I'm interested in. Yeah. When you started feeling like, okay. So when, when you went from like going to your first class and loving it and, and being like, all right, I want to be a pop star. I want to be like Paula Abdul to, <laughs> oh my God, I need to look like that. And I don't, I hate myself. What, what changed? Was it like, you started, did you start identifying as a health and fitness professional and then looked at other health and fitness professionals who were doing what you wanted to do? Or was there something else? I think it was something else. I mean, I think I, I went in with a lack of confidence. I think there was a part of me that 
because there is a part of me that is kind of like always fearless. And I've always kind of had that where I was like, you know what? I want to do that. I want to get in front of people. And that's like, I feel like that's right. And I'm going to move forward with that. Even if behind the scenes, I'm kind of like freaking out about other pieces of it. Like that's where I'll put my worry or obsessiveness or control like back there. So I feel like I walked in knowing I wanted to do that. And I loved that. But then also feeling like all of my confidence issues from before were more on display. And so that level of vulnerability, like basically I started obsessively. I mean, I see this in hindsight. I had no idea at the time. But now I can kind of look back and say, okay, I was using so much of that obsessive control is just a way to have like some sort of control because I didn't feel like I was worthy to give advice unless I looked like, I didn't feel like I should be taken seriously unless I looked a certain way. So I think some of it was there. I think some of it was amplified. And I think a lot of, um, I've talked to a lot of different people that are in the, you know, that are in the health and fitness industry and do give advice. And I think that there is, uh, there is a lot of pressure to look a certain way because you want people to be like, oh, I want to look like you. I want to get results like you. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times there's a disconnect between some people are more naturally going to like look certain ways than other people. But there's, there's a lot of people that have certain body types and look a certain way with a lifestyle on the back end that is incredibly restrictive and difficult to maintain and mm-hmm. possibly not that healthy. Mm-hmm. So it's tricky. Totally. And I mean, I, there's, there's so much that you just said there. And I think there are a lot of men and women listening that are like making the transition into health and fitness, or maybe they've been in it for a little bit, but haven't seen things explode. Um, and they're looking at their business and they're wondering, is it because I am not enough? Is it because um, the information I'm sharing and, and the impact I'm having on people isn't what they're looking for. Um, when, when did you start going online and reaching people that way? And, and how long after that did you really, like, when did you have the moment like this could work like this, this is gaining momentum. I mean, and to give the listeners an idea, like you're one of the top, top 100 most influential health, health and fitness personalities today. Um, and, and, but this is also, we're talking a decade after your, your story started. Yeah. Um, in, in 2008, we had, we got on the radar of some other like websites that, that are large that were out there and people just were like, Oh, this is, people just started sharing it. It was just like total word of mouth and really just kind of lucky. We had always built the website. So it was very mission mission focused, but it really was my dream from the offset. And there was months and months and months of planning before that like we wanted to have a strong brand. We wanted to have that strong mission. We wanted that mission to be in every single post we wrote, even we were writing a post that was directly about that. So even if we were going to do a, a, like a shoe review, we were still going to like work in some sort of like fun humor and our mission in some way so that no matter how you got to us and what you're reading about, you got that it was, that it was us and everything was very much in our tone. Um, and with that in mind, it was like, okay, here are our, I mean, we, um, 
we used to we used to have these long lists of BHAGs, big hairy audacious goals. And it was just like be in a magazine cover, um, you know, work out with Bob Harper, like just all of these like crazy, like just pie, what was pie in the sky then, but just pie in the sky, big dreams, and then smaller little gr- dreams. So kind of like just like you build a fitness goal, right? Like you don't go out and you don't just run, you know, a marathon. Maybe you, you know, walk a 5k and then you run a 5k and then you do a 10k or whatever. So we had these little stepping stones where we tracked, track, um, track traffic, we tracked revenue. Um, and then all these other kind of accolades and other, you know, mentions that we wanted. And then it, it just, it just happened. Like it just continued to happen. And we, we both started um, working. We both had full-time jobs and we started Fit Bottom Girls. And um, it was difficult for a number of years still working like a full-time job and running the business. And then eventually, um, after a few years, got to a point where it was you know, sustaining enough to be income and to be our entire life. And it, I mean... And that was years ago, but I mean, it feels really good, good to get up every day and just be like, here's what I get to do today. You know, <laughs> like yeah, put yeah. my mission out there, like, yay. <laughs> and when was that? When did you quit the day job? Um, let's see. We were able to do that. I transitioned in, I'm trying to think, um, 2012-ish. Where I, and I originally, because a lot of times I, I talk to a lot of different people that are like, oh, I'm thinking of like making the switch. Like, how did you make that happen? Um, I was able to quit my full-time job and do a little bit of freelance writing to provide like steady income because our income kind of goes just like up and down depending on campaigns and traffic and a whole bunch of other factors. And so that was kind of like the net <laughs> underneath me was regular freelance writing. And then once we got a book deal with Random House, um, we had a book published in 2014. Once we had that, that was kind of my cue to be like, okay, quit the freelance writing, focus on writing the book, focus on writing the websites. And that's kind of just taken me through or now that's, that's it's just what I do. For Fun Girls is just what I do. Very nice. So was it roughly five years from when you guys started the Fit Bottom Girls to when you quit your job? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So people, like... People that are listening right now that that may have been grinding for a year, two years, three years, well, they probably wouldn't use the word grinding because they, they should, hopefully are doing what they love. But you, how long would you have done it? Like, would you still be doing it if you if if it did not uh, afford you the ability to leave your day job? <sighs> That's a good question. No one's ever asked me that. I. Okay, so Fit Bottom, Fit Bottom Girls is so near and dear to my heart that I think that I would have to do something in the space, um, even if we were to have to shut down the website or that was the decision. I still think I would somehow be involved with health and fitness. Maybe that was just teaching classes or, um, or downsizing kind of like the amount of content or something. Mm-hmm. But I... For me, the question was always when... Was always, when am I going to quit my day job? Now, when... like quitting Fit Bottom Girls was never like an option in my brain then. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where I was working. I was working in a, 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 a fairly intense like head of fitness, head of marketing, like day job. So that was very demanding. And at that same time, my business was growing. So those demands were getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that both of those, like those stakes kind of being so high, I got to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, now I'm not personally living my mission 
because I am so stressed out. I am so pulled in too many different directions and I'm not doing a good job anywhere. And kind of when I like hit that breaking point and there was like lots of evenings where, you know, I'm like just sobbing in tears and my husband's like, okay, well, we got to figure this out. Like there's only so much of you that when I could no longer follow our mission myself, then I was like, the day job has to go. So we have to find a way to make this work. Um, and that was like, we, I mean, we also had plans. It was like, okay, well, where can we, you know, like not eat out as much and, you know, not drink as good of bottles of wine and, you know, (laughs) let's cut cable and, you know, like what are the things that we can need to do? How low can we get so that this, this next step can happen? Uh, I like it. And, um, so the big breakthrough moment financially was the book deal. Yeah. That was what gave me the um, enough enough of a cushion to say, okay, if I take, we wrote our book in an incredibly short amount of time, like um, eight months or something. It was like, here's what's going to give me enough cushion to dedicate this amount of time to the book. And then after the book, and that's kind of always been the fallback thing too, that we've always thought about was like, well, if for some reason this all goes up in flames, um, I can always go back and I can still work as a personal trainer. I still have my certifications. I can still, you know, teach group exercise and I could probably convince someone to give me a job in social media or marketing. You know, it's like, I don't, it's like, I still have lots of skills. (laughs) So that was kind of always the plan, the plan, the plan B, I guess, was like, if it all goes to shit, well then, you know, I can, I'm going to figure things out. But Mm -hmm. yeah, but the plan B was kind of like, that's just what helps you maybe sleep at night, but never plan A, no. Nice. And did you, did you guys use your reach? Um, you know, how many email subscribers you had, your social media influence, those sorts of things at, at, to, to leverage up the book deal and, and maybe in advance or was the company not yet there? So, well, no, the company that we were there, our social media reach was there. Our email list probably wasn't, but our, um, our social media reach was was large and we had been named to like a lot of like best blogs, the greatest list you were talking about earlier. So we had a lot of, um, we have, we had a lot of attention there. And I mean, the book world is super difficult right now. You know, like it is, it is harder to get a book deal. Um, it's harder to have a successful book. Um, I can say that we, I mean, we actually like once our book came out, we, um, I mean, it did okay, but it actually didn't do nearly as great as any of us wanted it to do. So that was uh, some growing pains there. <laughs> to be honest, we were like, oh man, you know, like we put so much into this. And then it was, I mean, it's called the Fit Bottom Girls Anti-Diet. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm super proud of it. It just, it, it's just a weird thing when your anti-diet book gets placed out on the diet table, like with diet books. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you need your own section. Yeah. It was just, it was just like, Oh man, you know? And at that point we, we really personally hadn't figured out how to like sell stuff because that's not what we did. What we did was write articles and edit it and, connect on social media. So it was kind of different. It was, it was, it was growing pains for us because then we had to learn also how to market ourselves and our knowledge and our expertise, which um, we hadn't really done previously, but we were very lucky to like get a book deal and, you know, have a book and I have like a manifesto, you know, kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. That's real cool. And like how many copies did you want to do and how many copies roughly did you do? If that's something you're even 
you know, comfortable sharing. I'm just on my radar. Yeah. I don't even, God, is it terrible? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you had expectations. I know, I know not enough to get our advance back. Like, yeah, I know that our advance is probably paid more than what we've sold. Yeah. Like, I don't expect to get a royalty check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I got you. Um, and that's, that's a really common challenge is, is yeah. that, um, you know, like you were talking about and, and, and companies are more and more hesitant to put out an advance unless you're going to sell a lot of your book and it's guaranteed. Right. Yeah. And then now there's so much, I mean, there's so much self-publishing and I, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just difficult. I think that the, the book market's trying to figure it out out too. We also kind of get placed into, um, we're kind of like a mix of a blog and a website, but I know a lot of other bloggers have had similar issues where it is, you think it would be an easy transition from like your blog readership to buy your, your book, but it's not, it's not always cause that's not where they're used to engaging with you. Mm-hmm. You know, so many of us, we have so many different forms of media that are coming at us that sometimes we like pick a form of media and that's what we listen to. Yeah. So it can be difficult to get someone to, you know, buy your book and read your book when they're used to, and they're like, well, I just read you every day anyway. Why would I buy your book? You know, totally. so that's a challenge. Totally. And, and before we get into your, your three secrets on you know, like, how do you find a healthy lifestyle that you love? Um, and, and the three things that the three mistakes that you've seen, like how many women have you helped now through your blog and website when people, when people ask, cause you've a lot of data points that, that you've condensed down to this information. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, like, I mean, millions over like, <laughs> I mean, we've had millions and millions of readers, um, for years now. So, I mean, but on like a, like a personal, like I know, like we've, they've been through like our programs or like a webinar or, uh, emails through, I mean, definitely in the, in the thousands, um, of people that are, that would consider themselves FBGs. It's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. And for a listener who's like, you know, has aspirations of, of one day growing a, a health and fitness company like, um, like, like FBG. And, you know, maybe they're still at the one, two, three year phase. Um, what, what metric or metrics now are really important to you? You mentioned you were tracking revenue and you were tracking traffic. Is that, are those still the two main things that you look at or, or have you now since, experiencing things like the disconnect between blog and book buyers and so on and so forth. Is there something else that, that you look for as, as a barometer of your success? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, now we still, we still do revenue. We still track traffic, although traffic used to be kind of be like our be all end all. And that's not really the case anymore. Uh, right now we, we are seeing, more people engage on social media. So we pay a lot of attention to our social media. So not just as someone getting the message from a blog post, but as someone getting message the message through Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And what is the best way to get more um, to get more engagement there to get people really connecting um, with that. And that's also why we started a podcast because we found there's so much stuff online. There's so much stuff on social media, but people really are just craving authentic, real connection, Mm -hmm. community, 
conversations that actually make a difference. So um, while there's, you know, and we put all kinds of fun stuff up on, you know, like this is, you know, it's like your cold run, like this is what your cold run is like. And, you know, and 21 gifts or something like super fun, but like there's, you know, like a million and a half posts like that out there. Um, But the conversation that like just you and I are having right now, Mm -hmm. you're you're not going to find that probably everywhere. You know, just that that real kind of talk. So um, that's why we've like done that with the podcast in in our podcast, the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Um, we've talked to some amazing people and had some really good um, conversations there. But so we track, you know, downloads for a podcast, and then we there's so much. We have evolved so much in our business over time as to what we offer and what we do. Um. And that's just because this stuff moves fast and the world is moving especially quickly right now. Um, So we are just trying to be a service as much as, as much as, as much as we can. And we track engagement and all the different ways that we can. And then we try to evolve with all those numbers as they change because it, this is changing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's always dynamic and always evolving. And it's, there's, there's a balance, a checks and balances between like the new shiny object, the new social media platform, everyone, you need to be on this versus let me just do these three things really well. And um, I'm definitely guilty of the new shiny object uh, allure and, and, and until I stretch myself so thin, I'm like, I can't do all this in one day. I right. need to cut stuff. Right. Like this isn't working. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and that's kind of the ebb and flow. I think of all of it. And the other thing that, um, my business partner, Kristen and I now are also, you know, we put ourselves first in a lot of our business. So do we both personally feel fulfilled? Like these are check-ins that we normally have with each other. Like, um, is there a part of, you know, a, does she have an interest? You know, I have an interest in pushing our mission or brand in kind of a new, slightly different area. Do we want to try that? Is there something that we freaking hate doing? Can we take that off? Can we delegate that out? Can we hire that out? What can we do there? How fulfilled are we? Do you want to work more? Do you want to work less? Um, like I have a two and a half year old. Her childcare, you know, that schedule changes all the time. I only work now about 25 hours a week. That's really working well for me right now that will ebb and flow. So that constant just check to be... Because um, I mean, in some, it, it feels in a lot of different ways, like um, the actual name of our business is Fit Bottom World. But like the Fit Bottom World has its own energy, has its own kind of like goal and engine that goes. And we're pieces of that. But we have to make sure that her and I are, are balanced and aligned to keep everything running as smooth as it can, that we have the right amount of challenge, but also just... Um, comfortableness. I love it. And this is, this is kind of evolved into like creating, creating the healthy life and business that you love. But, um, I'm, I'm, I'm for one fully enjoying it. And these are a lot of struggles (laughs) that, that I've dealt with too. Like I moved to Delray beach, Florida from Chicago, um, back in August with, you know, with, with uh, my girlfriend, we got a house and because we wanted to be somewhere where we could be by the beach. And like, that was our dream. And, um, it was, it was worth the move to go to a place where we were rebuilding our network from scratch. And there were so many unforeseen challenges. Like you don't know anybody, 
You know, if like if, right. if her and I had something going on, I couldn't just go hang out with one of my friends or, you know, people that I'd, I'd grown relationships with over 35 years. I was like sitting here, like so going through it in my head, you know, and then when we eventually um, decided that it was best to, to part ways, I was like, wow, I, since we moved here, I've been almost hiding behind work. And just working all the time because I haven't, you know, started because maybe, I don't know, I was scared or just um, didn't consciously start rebuilding a network. Yeah. And, um, and then when, you know, she, she moved out, I was like, then I really had to face it. I'm like, it's not healthy to work all the time. Nor it like you can't, especially if if your company is based around health and wellness and, um, and you need to fill your well up too. You know, if you want those in your case, 25 hours that you, that you contribute to other people to really be meaningful and impactful. Like you can't just talk about what you did in your house that day, you know, (laughs) have like experiences (laughs) and, and and that sort of thing. So it was like, it's been the greatest thing I've ever done. And, and the most challenging thing I've ever done, probably besides like getting, getting real sick years ago and going through Lyme disease and all of that. But um, I, I like that you guys consciously maintain balance and it probably helps that you also have one another to bounce things off of and yeah. you know, to kind of say, hey, Jen, you've seemed a little bit stressed lately. Why don't you take this week off and go do something fun and go to the spa and I'll take care of FBG girls and or that's redundant, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So that's, yeah. That's yeah. I, I, I have found personally that I just, as, as much as I, I am kind of a bit of an introvert and I, I don't mind being alone and actually working alone. Um, but Fit Bottom Girls would never have been in creation had I not started it with my good friend, Aaron, and it would not be what it is today without Kristen. Um, that co-creation piece, that like ideas and that energy coming back and forth. And just like you're talking about like that, that ebb and flow of ideas and like her helping me out, me helping her out back and forth has, has I mean, it, yeah, so important, been so helpful. Did you guys hit a point at all where like this, this had recently happened to us where, um, you know, a lot of people wanted coaching and, and that higher level and it was working really well for us. So we just would say, okay, this is, this part of the business is thriving. Let's do more of it. Let's do more of it without really stopping to say like, is that something that I want to be doing? Is that, is that a service that I want to fulfill on? Do I want to have, you know, 20 calls per week? Um, you know, where, where before I even do anything to grow the business or create new content or products, I'm on the phone for up, up to 20 hours. And, um, and then I was like, stop, what are we doing? You know, I, I walk around talking about law of attraction and conscious creation. And I've got a business where I just kind of let it run with, Oh, people seem to want that. Let's give them more of that. <laughs> and, uh, never like asking the real important question. Like, is this, is this what I want to be doing? Did you guys have any yeah. moments like that? Was there, was there a moment where you kind of switched from what's going to work? What are people, um, what, what do people want to invest in? Where do they want help to also saying, what do I want to do? I I laugh because not because it's like super funny, but just because I feel like that's so common. Yeah. <laughs> you know, especially when you get in the business, I think everyone kind of thinks 
you know, like, oh, or maybe not. This may be my like mild belief pattern that I used to have was just like, oh, you know, having a business is hard. Like starting out as a business is hard. Like you have to work really hard for years before you have any sort of success. You know, those can kind of be maybe um, hidden blocks or not so hidden blocks um, that are true, uh, depending on on what your belief system is. (laughs) But yeah, I think for us, we have... um, we say no to a lot of things all the time. And it can be hard sometimes to say no when an opportunity presents itself where it was like, well, that's really lucrative. And on paper, that actually sounds pretty good. You know, like that would go pretty well with our brand and we like that company or whatever. Um, but if it doesn't, but like, how does it feel? And that's what Kristen and I will always do a gut check. Like, how's that feel to you? I'm like, I don't know. How's that feel to you? I'm like, okay, well, let's let's ask a few more questions. I'll sit on it for a little bit. How's that feel to you? And sometimes you feel absolutely insane turning down something. You know, like, why would I turn down that much money, you know, for um, for something that seems like it's good, but if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. And nine times out of 10, whenever we do, sometimes that hard thing, that hard no, um, it will be like, like two days later, something else better almost always comes in. Like, Oh no, like because her and I like we've done some video, but like we don't we don't really edit videos. We don't like there's not like a whole bunch of like video stuff that we do. Sometimes little brands like want us to do like create a video and edit it, and we're both just like, I don't know, we don't do that, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. that doesn't sound fun, you know. And two days later, it's like someone else will come along and be like, Oh, well, we just want you to, you know be in our app and appear and, you know, coach, and then we'll, we'll handle all the background stuff. And that's cool. And we're like, Oh, okay, well, that's better. (laughs) Sounds a lot easier. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's yeah. But, but that struggle with, sorry, my dog's barking. Um, but that I, I do feel like there is, it's so, it's sometimes it's, it's, you have to be really brave in order to do that and to truly follow like your heart and your gut. But, it almost always pays off. And the worst feeling, the worst feeling in the world is when you say yes to something and you say yes to a deal or an opportunity and you know in your heart that it's not right, but you feel like you have to do it kind of like you're in a corner, like you need the money or whatever. Or you're just not afraid. You're not sure what's going to come along next. And you say not, y- yes, and then you get into it and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And then you have to continue to deal with that and manage that and kind of be pissed off at yourself. Like, God damn it. I knew I shouldn't have done this. Like I knew... And sometimes, yep, you have to learn those lessons with those clients or those those things. And then, but you know, it's always that like course correction. You know, okay, what do I want? You know, well, now I know what I don't want. What do I want? Yeah. And and sometimes there's a million different things that you can do or try in health and fitness in your business with coaching, with programs, with I mean, there's so many different things. But without a focus, it's really hard not to work yourself into the ground. Yeah. Totally. And, and, and that's where like, I, I went to uh, a perfect life event with Craig Ballantyne recently. And he was like, he looked at what we're doing. He's like, okay, he goes, I'm going to give you the same advice that I got, you know, a year and a half ago. He's like, cut it in half. He's like, yeah. take like those eight things and cut it down to three and do those three really well. Yep. Beautiful. Um, okay. So now after, after our business tangent that also relates a lot to life, um, You've worked with millions of women all over the world and and helped them create healthy lives that they love. And you've seen the common mistakes. What are what what's one of the most common mistakes that you've seen? Something that 
that, that women, you know, obsess over or, um, something that really holds them back physically, mentally? Oh yeah. This is such a good question. Um, numbers, 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 uh, calories, calorie counting, uh, the number on the scale, even these days, like macros, um, any sort of obsession with like tracking, like just being obsessed with what I weigh in the morning what I weigh at night. Oh, how many calories did I consume? How many calories did I burn? How many calories do I need to burn? All of that just obsession. Um, I think numbers can be incredibly helpful, but for a lot of people, that is not the relationship with them and those numbers is not a helpful one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, <laughs> it's more like, oh, I stepped on the scale and that's not a number I wanted to see. And therefore my entire day is ruined. <laughs> or I'm going to start my day thinking that I suck. And then that is going to follow me that belief all day long. We're not you know? data mining for correlations. We're basically looking for a certain number and if and or below. And if it's not that, then we feel like shit about ourselves. Exactly. And then that plays over into all different areas of your life. It's not like that's just for like how you feel. Because if you wake up... I mean, it's like if you get up and you spill coffee all over yourself in the morning. And then you like are late to work because you had to change. And then traffic's terrible. And then you get there. Like you're not in a good mood. And like your whole entire day seems to kind of like snowball from there usually, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, where instead you could, you know, wake up and just feel good about yourself or just go have a great day, set a good intention and have a great day. Um, But really, I I think that people that are trying to lose weight and I know because I have had my past with the obsession with the number and the scale and obsession with counting calories is I burned up so much mental energy being obsessed with all that, that could have gone to other things. And I have to imagine that that stress is not having uh, health benefits. No, no, no way. I mean, it's probably actually making weight loss more difficult, I would assume, because it's spiking your cortisol. So you're, I mean, and you're just like, if you, you want to be a better parent, you want to better be a better business owner, you want to be a better friend, like what needs to be going on in your brain is probably listening and not okay, well, a calorie or an apple is this many calories. And then I had uh, two tablespoons of peanut butter, but were they rounded rounded scoops? Or were they kind of flat? I wonder what the calorie... I mean, holy crap, you know, there are are better things to think about in the world today. So um, if you can kind of start to give some of that up and find that deeper meaning in place, it just, it opens up a lot of space and energy into your life. If you were to pinpoint your aha moment in this area, the moment when was it, was it that conversation you mentioned earlier with, um, you know, your, your quote unquote therapist, um, when she kind of opened your eyes to a bigger picture of like, imagine if all of the women in the world didn't obsess about their weight, how much good we could do. Yep. That was, that was for sure. That was my personal, Oh my God, I've been doing it wrong moment. So it was also, just someone, someone you respected asking you the right question and opening up your mind to something bigger than yourself. At the right time, because my pain point was far enough where I knew I needed help. So, I mean, someone maybe could have told me that earlier and I'd be like, oh, huh. And that might have shifted some thoughts, but it was because I really 
because I had that driving motivational force that I didn't want to walk down the wedding aisle. Mm. Like that way with that mindset with those obsessive thoughts going on so i was like at my pain point like i was open and receptive to it because i think uh, now women kind of do get the message that you know you you can you can hear it but that doesn't mean you feel it or that right. you even have an awareness of how many thoughts you're having that are that are like that in your head i mean that's really the first step is to have an awareness how much am i really thinking about this and when you start to pay attention to that and you start to notice that that's when you start to be like Oh crap. Oh, there's more here because it's so habitual. Especially if you've been doing it since you were like, you know, a kid. And I know lots of, lots of women. I mean, really, they've been like put on diet since they were like in middle school. So it's so kind for, of ingrained. For a woman who's like in that position right now, they know they're obsessed about the numbers. They don't want to be, or, or, or maybe they don't like it. What's the first step? To moving in the right direction. I think first step is that awareness. So start paying attention to your thoughts. What are you saying? Every time you have one, don't be like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking that. That's kind of besides the point. Just have a curiosity about it. Just mm-hmm. pure curiosity and be like, wow, I really am having a lot of thoughts about this. Mm-hmm. Um, also start to think about like, what would my life be like if I didn't do that? If I didn't have that obsession? Mm-hmm. What, how would that change things? And then really start to be conscious of like, what messages you are getting consciously and unconsciously. So what media are you reading, watching? Um, what groups are you around? Like, um, do you have some friends that are maybe in this zone with you? Do you have other friends who maybe aren't? Um, how can you start to kind of shift some of those norms? Because a lot of times, again, like we're saying, it's, 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 it's habitual. So how can we start to kind of break those habits? And then um, I know we talked about this in my book, but the uh like break up with your scale i mean (laughs) it can be harder to like stop like the calorie counting stuff going on in your brain that can be a little bit harder because you're so used to doing it but the scale you can literally be like if you're used to weighing your scale multiple times a day see if you can get it down to like once a day and then from there like every other day and then from there, like once a week, or cover your scale with, you know, a bunch of messages that say you're more than this number. You're all these different things. Mm, or, like or get one of those. Um, now they have this Nokia Health has this um, body, I think it's body cardio scale. It's amazing because I have really like, I, I probably weigh myself like once a month, maybe. I've done that for years and years and years Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't have a, I, it's still difficult. Like I will just like rabbit hole down. So I'm just like, Nope, just not, just not for me. I I know how my body feels. I know when I feel good. I know what I don't, I know what changes I need to make if I'm not on the right path. That's it. I don't need that number to tell me that. Um, So, but this new scale that I, that I I was sent, that I reviewed, I was like, it's so weird. I have a scale, but it tells you, your body fat percentage in pounds or your body fat in pounds and it tells you your muscle mass in pounds and it tells you your bone density in pounds and it tells you your hydration in pounds. So I can literally, this morning I got on a scale and I was like, okay, I weigh 1.5 pounds more than I did my last weigh-in, but my body fat is down and my muscle is up. Mm. Now that's a cool number. Yeah. And it puts it all in context. So I think in some ways the technology is getting there but I still wouldn't recommend that. I still wouldn't want myself of 10 years ago to have that scale. <laughs> and what, what was the name of that scale again? Do you say it was I, by Nokia? It's, yeah, it's um, Nokia Health. Let me 
um, body plus. And have you, have you tested the, um, the accuracy of the data that it gives against any other, um, third party tools? I have not yet, but I think that would be a fascinating thing to do. Okay, cool. Cool. I like it. The Nokia health body plus, and then you mentioned that they have a steel HR, uh, heart rate monitor. Yeah, it's cool. Nice. Okay, so secret number one is uh, avoid the number of uh, the number obsession. Whether we're talking about the number on the scale, counting calories, um, and the best way to, to start doing that is to just it, it heighten awareness of our thoughts. Now, are you a meditator? Was was that part of the process for you? Was it something else? Uh, for me, it was mindfulness in all areas, and it was really getting in touch with my hunger and fullness cues. So we do something. Um, with hunger and fullness scale, very simple concept, uh, one to 10, you know, 10 being like, you're totally full. One being like, you're, you know, you're starving, you're super, super, super hungry. Uh, try to eat, you know, when you're around like a three or four and stop eating when you're six or seven. And if you make that your entire practice, basically for all your meals. And I also, in the very beginning, I had no restrictions on what I was going to eat because I had been so restricted that I had fallen into such a trap where there are good foods and there are bad foods. And for this, it was just like, nope, I can eat whatever I want to eat, but I just have to eat with the right amount of hunger and try to stop what I'm full. And I would literally track, um, my registered dietitian had me tracking every hour I would check in and write down where I'm at on my hunger and fullness because my hunger and fullness cues were so jacked up from dieting that I only ate when I thought it was the time to, mm. um, or when it was meal time or when I was supposed to. And then any other time I ate, it was like out of guilt or shame or I had guilt or shame from it. And I was never, I was never eating when I was actually hungry. So That's that was a huge, really interesting. it was, an incredible game changer. And I mean, that is still the practice that I, that I follow. I don't write it down every hour. I don't write it down at all, but that is still something I routinely follow where, because I think a lot of times, you know, you'll be like, well, I just ate breakfast. You're like, why am I hungry? (laughs) Like I shouldn't eat. And you push past that cue. And and it really is like the highest level of uh, if you want optimal results, it comes from customization and personalization, yes. like making the shift from should behaviors to intuitive behaviors and like not, you know, I, I don't need to eat at 8 a.m. and noon and 6 p.m. You, you eat when you're hungry based on those cues and the, the heightened awareness and practice of checking in with yourself at the beginning for you is hourly. Yeah, just so I could get to, because it was such a foreign concept, such a foreign concept. And then I was like, oh, okay, this feels pretty good. And it takes a while because you're like, well, that really wasn't a three or a four. That was more like a two, you know? And I found out I couldn't really stop myself from overeating. Yeah. But then, okay, you know, and then, oh, that wasn't quite to a six or seven, you know, I didn't eat enough because I'm hungry again in like 45 minutes. Well, that was silly. I mean, it just took me a long time to figure out what is the right amount of food for me. And that's not always the same. And that's what I think is difficult is that people are always looking, looking for, you know, the magic bullet or the straight answer or the specific plan to follow. And there is no one size fits all approach. It's just what's going to fit for you. And, and that depends on a lot of things in your life. So even if you figure what it is out for you, that's going to grow and change and evolve. Mm-hmm over your life and your needs, whether you're working out more or like I had a baby that changed things, you know, like it just, you're working more, you're working less, you're resting. It just, 
and that's I think that's awesome. I think that's beautiful and wonderful, um, and not a struggle. It's just it's a flow. I dig it. So basically, just checking in with yourself, rating your hunger and fullness uh, each on a scale of one to ten. Ten being really high, one being really low. Is that is that how it's done? Nice. Okay, cool. That's, that's a huge one. Um, secret number two, the, the mistakes, you know, from working with millions of women, the mistake that you see most women make in, in that, that's holding them back from creating the healthy life that they love. Yeah. So we have an online weight loss challenge program that we do, uh, like at least four times a year called the 10 and four challenge. Mm-hmm. And the thing that almost, Oh, like so many of the women that go through it have, is all or nothing, all or nothing thinking, or the all or nothing mindset. So it is, um, and I think this ties into yo-yo dieting too. But it is like that Monday morning. I am all in. I'm going to go to the gym every day this week. I'm going to eat right. Things are going to be great. It's going to be different this time. And then by like Thursday night, Friday, it's like the wheels are off the bus, <laughs> and you're deprived and miserable. And maybe it's a couple of weeks in, but you can't sustain it, and you are way off way off the bus. Uh, and then it just starts all over again. So it's either like I can be on a plan doing something or I am off eating whatever I want with like no intention of really being active. Like there's no in between, there's no middle ground. Um, we see that a lot. And, and why is that I mean, I get why the nothing part that thing. Yeah. Why is the all in? Because I see a lot of a lot of successful people, and I'll I, I have the opportunity to talk with them, and a lot of them will say that balance is a myth, and yeah. that a lot of their success came from doing something they love and being obsessed with it. I th- I, I do actually think that balance is kind of a myth because it, it's like you get it. It's like a it's an evolving concept. It's not a permanent thing. You can't like achieve balance and be like, Oh, I have balance. It's great. Life is amazing. Life might be amazing for that. Like 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. And then, and then you might get sick and then all of a sudden it's not amazing, you know, like, and then you got to find balance again. Um, so yeah, I, I do. I do agree with that. Um, I think that the, the all in piece when it comes to health or fitness or when when it comes to weight loss specifically, it is that, that amazing motivational piece where like, yeah, you can, you can do it all. You can change the world. And it's fantastic. And the thing is, is that it's not being harnessed properly because that feeling is set up in such a restrictive perfectionist in a box way that it can't adapt to life. And then life happens and then it goes away. And instead of you, and this is, and I know because I've been through this, instead of you coming off the diet or the plan or whatever and not being able to follow it anymore, and then you end up like, you know, binge eating or something um, and feeling really crappy about yourself, is at that point, you don't sit back and think, wow, that plan, that thing I was trying to do just wasn't realistic. That was kind of stupid. No diets work. Why would there be a million diets if they worked? You don't think that. You think, I just couldn't do it. And so when you have that mentality, that's where a lot of guilt, shame, and what happens over and over and over again, people get in a really dark place where they think, I can't lose weight. I can't get healthy. They never think the diet sucks. They always think I suck. Mm. And so it's this like lack of 
confidence. And I do think specifically for women, there is this weird pressure like all the time that you have to, that you have to be quote unquote perfect. You know, you have to look a certain way and act a certain way and be a good girl and do all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes it's, whatever we try to do is just too ambitious and not realistic because that's what we think society demands of us. And that kind of is what society demands of us. And then other times it's just like, you kind of, I used to do this, like rebel against myself, like just kind of get pissed that you can't just do whatever the heck you want to do. You can't just eat cake or, you know, eat French fries or something. Like you just start to get really resentful of your own life. Mm -hmm. Re-exert that control we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, and there's no, there's no forgiveness for, for quote unquote mistakes. You know, there's so much moralizing of food. There's so much good food, bad food. Well, if you eat the good food, you're good. And if you eat the bad food, then you're bad. Mm -hmm. You know, um, no, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but I think, but a lot of us, we eat quote unquote bad food. We feel bad about ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, where instead, if you do, if you do kind of follow the the hungerfulness stuff, and you decide, okay, I'm going to remove labels from food. Food is food, and instead, just begin to gi- give yourself permission to to make mistakes, and give yourself permission just to learn from them. So instead of it being like I'm going to follow this plan, approach it with this attitude of, okay. I'm just going to see, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to see what works and what doesn't. And we're going to go from there. So you try healthy behavior, see if it lasts, see if it works for you, see if that food makes you feel good or not. Okay. That turns out eating a bunch of chocolate cake and French fries makes me feel like crap. I'm not a bad person about it, but I'm going to think twice before I do it again because it doesn't make me feel good. And that's my goal. My goal isn't being at a certain weight. My goal isn't fitting into a certain whatever. Just make your goal truly feeling good and energized. So if mm-hmm. you do that, then you can, I mean, then how does that workout make you feel? How does that working out make you feel? And just tweak and change and evolve. Like we say, like choose your own adventure. Like use your life as like choose your own adventure just to feel good. Um, and just make small tweaks. And that is so much easier than like an all or nothing approach because it's livable. It's sustainable. It gives you room to go to Christmas parties and, you know, New Year's parties and eat pizza and whatever. And sometimes you may go on like a super strict or regimented, I don't know, you may go paleo for 30 months because you want a challenge and you think you want to see how it's going to make you feel. That's a very different approach than I hate myself and I need to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's coming, it's coming from a different place. Yep. And you said something earlier that was really wise. And that was, if diets worked, there wouldn't be thousands and thousands of them. Yeah. And, and I think that like we have this, I, I just did like a, a fun little video from the kitchen last night talking about our misplaced obsession with diet and exercise. Cause they're like the two tangibles. They're the ones we hear over and over and over again. Yeah. And like, ultimately I, I, I agree that if we focus on energy, how we feel, um, but even in, in, in this case, I'm referring to specifically how our body makes energy, which directly corresponds with how we feel. Do we feel energetic? Do we feel happy? Do we feel like, you know, our sex drive is where we want it? And, and all of that, I mean, that, that's all tied to energy production. Yep. And, and that's where 
we're missing things is we're only focusing on a couple small facets of energy production. But if what's draining our energy is not related to diet and food, there probably are some components that are related to diet and food. You know, maybe someone's eating a ton of a certain food that runs them down or they're overtraining and that's running them down. Um, Those things will have a negative impact on your energy. But if your energy is getting run down because, you know, you have a certain, you, you need higher amounts of certain B vitamins, just because of your genes, your genetic background, or, you know, you're, you're not drinking enough water during the day or like, you know, the things that the, 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 the multifactorial components that contribute to our energy production, that's when, when we're feeling good and our energy production is maximized and we're, you know, getting rid of the toxins that run us down, we end up losing weight. That's right. the long-term effect that happens. It's the byproduct. It doesn't have to be the goal. Like, yeah, put yourself as feeling good. And not to mention, outside of diet and fitness and exercise, I mean, there's things like sleep, relationships, connections, mm-hmm. you know, like we don't, we don't live in a vacuum here. You know, yeah. we don't live in a scientific lab. There's lots of other things that have to do with our life. So if you're, if you're in a toxic relationship or you have incredible amounts of stress, you can help things be better by eating a healthy diet and going to the gym, but... You still have to address those other issues, like being truly healthy and happy and being at in a body that feels good. There, there are other components to that as well. Yeah. And and there's, I mean, there's studies showing that people who had a strong social network, um, even if they smoked, the the strong social network offset a lot of the negative health consequences of smoking, whereas the reverse was often not true. If someone, um, if someone didn't smoke, but they were isolated and, and consequently unhappy because of that disconnected nature, um, it, came with, it came with serious health consequences. And, and we're not tracking that stuff when we're, when we're obsessing over the numbers on the scale, when we're going with this extremism, I'm 100% in, 100% out. We're not looking at some of the intangibles. But if we just, like you said, pay attention to how we feel and make feeling good our highest goal, then that feeling, our, that gut uh, feeling is taking all of those things into account for us. Yeah, for sure. And when you look at things like emotional eating, which a lot of people you know, use as a means to cope with the rest of their life, if you have this all or nothing approach, when you're, when you're in the all of it, it's fine. But when you're in the out of it, like that's when you're going to, that's when you're going to binge. I mean, that's when, if you, if the the great thing about busting the all or nothing thinking is that like you learn how to just have a cookie, Yeah. you know, you're not eating the entire box of cookies in the night because you know that tomorrow you're not going to be able to eat any cookies. So you better eat every cookie in existence now. Yeah. You know, when we were, I have a client, um, a deaf client, Cheryl, who we've been working together for, I mean, since last July. So we're coming up on like a year and a half and, um, and, and she's come to a number of like our, our in-person events and she knows me fairly well. Um, and she saw, I posted this picture of like a a Costco size box of Ferrero, Ferrero Rocher chocolates. (laughs) And it's like, you know, it's Costco. So it comes with like a hundred of them. And, um, and I knocked off, like, I'm not kidding, like half the thing. <laughs> I was just crushing Ferrero Rocher's. And she was like, she messaged me and she was like, Hey, she's like, I just want, is everything okay? She's like, I wanted to, I, I noticed that's uncharacteristic of you. And I was like, 
holy shit. Like we're going through the breakup with my girlfriend yeah. and I'm like, holy shit, I'm emotionally eating. And I didn't even realize it. And my deaf client, Cheryl saw a picture <laughs> and put the pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Sometimes it takes a step outside of yourself, you know, yeah. and you'd be like, how can we learn from that? Well, my body was clearly sending me a signal of something that I needed to deal with that I was trying to not deal with. Okay, body. Uh, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> totally eat my emotions. Awesome. Awesome. And then, um, okay. So number one is obsession with numbers. Number two is the extremism, hundred percent in hundred percent out, but not, not finding the sustainable long-term approach. And then what's, what's mistake number three that holds, uh, you know, that you've seen hold millions of women back from creating the healthy life that they love. Yeah. Um, number three would be finding the real and true why. So a lot of times you'll ask someone, why do you want to lose the weight? Why do you want to make these changes? And we'll be like, well, I've got this event coming up or, you know, I want to, I need to be in a swimsuit or something very external. We'll be like, okay, well then, um, and sometimes we do this like, you know, like in person or like on video or something. And sometimes it's like, okay, just, you can do this on your own. Just take out a piece of paper and ask why. Um, and the next step, okay, why do you want that? Well, you know, I guess it would be nice if I, you know, was out on the beach and I felt comfortable. Okay, well, why do you want that? 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 And you just keep drilling down, <laughs> usually until... Um, I know for myself, you always know when it's right, when it kind of like twinges at you a little bit or makes you be like, whoo, that feels pretty near and dear. Oh, gosh. Um, high feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that makes you want to eat a bunch of stuff from Costco. There are my but, feelings. Um, <laughs> buried under all right. of those Ferrero Rochers. Exactly. There it is. There it is. Nice and tender. Okay. Um, so, yeah, once you get to that why, then it's like so much of like the the habitual bullshit kind of starts to fall away because you'd be like, okay, what I really want here is I want to feel secure. I want to feel safe. I want to be, I want to feel confident. I want to feel valued. Um, it can be a number of different things, but once you know what that is, and actually, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Danielle Laporte at all in her work. Who is it? Danielle Laporte. I don't think she's, so. she's amazing. I followed her for years. We, got, we somehow got her on her podcast and it was like an amazing conversation, but um, she's, a, she's great. But she, her entire um, work and some of like a lot of her book, books has worked around basically like find the feeling that you need or that you want. And as you're, it's a quote unquote core desired feeling. And then once you have that core desired feeling, so maybe you really want to feel like strong and confident and you don't feel that way. And you feel like having that different body is going to get you there. Then um, instead of just focusing on the body, you can be like, okay, well, how can I feel strong and confident right now today? What's one thing I could put on my schedule today that would make me feel that way? And then you do that thing because then the more that you start to feel that way, just like kind of law of attraction stuff, the more that the other stuff is going to come to you. So when you start feeling strong and confident, then it is a whole lot easier to go to the gym if you already feel good. Mm-hmm. It is easier to make the healthier decision. It is it is easier to do the self-care, to go to bed on time and everything because, I mean, it's it's a way to kind of show yourself self-love and care. Um, so it's kind of reverse engineering in some ways, but it really, really works. 
And the best part is, is that you don't have to like wait around for the quote unquote perfect body to feel confident. You can start feeling more confident, like literally in 20 minutes. I like it. So getting down, getting down to your true why, and then also having the awareness and asking the questions of like, what are the feelings that you're trying to move towards? And what are the feelings that you're trying to move away from? And like, I mean, is this something that you set aside time for? Is it something that is this work that you've done with somebody? Um, Cause like in my experience, I've, I've helped a lot of other people find their why. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of a time that I've done that with myself. Mm, you should do that. Why? You should do that. It's fun. <laughs> It's really fun. I was just messing around. Why? Why? I'm like, because it's fun. Why is it fun? Um, Why after everything? Because this really lights me up. Okay. Um, No. uh, Yes. So I, I do this a lot. Well, okay. I don't actually always sit down with a piece of paper, but I do try to reflect on my core desired feelings and do the why thing for the biggest parts of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Fairly regularly, my business partner, I actually have core desired feelings for like, I know her, she knows mine and we check in on them at least once a year, if not a couple times a year. Um, We also have them for our business because we want our readers to feel a certain way. We want the business to feel a certain way, that sort of thing. I have them with my husband. I know my husband's, I know mine. And uh, we also have our families. Like, how do we want our house to feel? How do we want our relationships to feel? How do we want all that to feel? And sometimes when things start to get like a little weird, you know, like things just don't feel as aligned as they should, or things just kind of aren't going super well, or just work feels kind of, I don't know, things just keep happening, just kind of gunky, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, then a lot of times it's just like, okay, let's pull those back out. This is how we, here's a reminder of how we want to feel and, and see if those still resonate. They don't resonate and be like, okay, well, let's set aside, you know, a Sunday afternoon and let's, let's do some self-reflection on what we want. Not just what we don't want, but what we want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that too. I had some light bulbs going off when you were talking about like, how do you want your home to feel? How do you want, yeah. you know, how do you want people to feel about your brand? How do you want people to feel about your mission? Yep. Like, it, it, it's been a huge limiting factor for me in that I spent most of my life like suppressing my feelings and emotions. And then I was like, wow, that's kind of everything. Yeah. Um, I need to dig that stuff back up and like start. I've heard more and more guys say that recently that I think yeah. there's, I mean, I clearly think that there's been like a female awakening <laughs> currently, but I think there's also some male awakenings in that. Yeah. In yeah. That zone. I mean, we, we did our first women's biohacking week event. Um, Cause like about half the, the coaching clients that I work with are females, but it was, it was designed as a men's event. And, and a bunch of the females were like, when are you going to do one for women? When are you? And I was like, honestly, I'm terrified of doing one for women. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm picturing like, you know, we're in this situation and like everybody's crying and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, right. oh, just stop crying. And, um, and, and I was like, okay, if we're going to do this, I need to be able to go in and like actually share and express and be in touch with my feelings and know what the fuck is going on inside of me to be authentic. And, um, it, it scared the heck out of me going into it and ended up being the, I mean, I, I enjoyed it as much or more than any of the other ones. And I was like, at the end, I was like, I only want to do women's biohacking week event. (laughs) 
<laughs> crying um, is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, crying's amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it's finding it's finding that balance of you know not being a total wet noodle, um, lameo, but also <laughs> lameo. All right. Lamo. <laughs> Actually makes me one. And, uh, but also like, but also being just being real and authentic, like it, suffocating your feelings isn't real and authentic either. No. And, um, we, we got, we went to a, an event in California when my girlfriend and I were together and, um, Lewis house was speaking one of the afternoons when I was gone working on something else. And he wrote a book called the mask of masculinity. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah you know, Lewis and the book. And, yeah. um, she was reading it. She's like, this is so good. You need this book. And I was like, Oh boy, I just kind of want to read it now to like illuminate what's wrong with me. But, um, <laughs> I've got it out on the, I've got it pulled out in the short list of books. To read. <laughs> Can't comment there's either nothing way wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with you. I know I'm just messing around, but this, this yeah. has been great. All right. So like quit the number obsession, the, the extremism and find your why. And also like really think about the feelings that you want and the feelings you want to avoid. The last kind of question that I, that I had for you before you share. Oh, can, I, like, can I have one more point on the why? Yes, please. Um, like also just don't think about like why you're doing something, but also if, if you really have struggled with like weight for your entire life, do give a little bit of thought as to if your weight is serving a purpose for you consciously or unconsciously, because that can be something that you need to release or come to terms with or serve in another way, honor in another way before you do that. And that, and that may take some actual like therapy, but we've seen a lot of women who have, have other stuff that they need to deal with, whether it's like abuse or, mm-hmm. or different things where they're, I mean, they're literally keeping that as a shield for a reason and they're never going to learn it unless they feel safe and secure enough to do that. Mm-hmm. And that can take some outside work. So I think totally. it's, yes, I've, I've seen that a lot too. Like women, yeah. women that have had, um, sexual abuse in the past using yeah. the weight because they don't want to feel attractive because attractive equals vulnerable. Correct. Um, and yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, how often are you on electronics? Like <laughs> computer, television, those sorts of things. <laughs> a lot. Um, I'm on it a lot, but I I do try to keep some oh general like boundaries because I am so engaged there for my work and for my job. Um, mm-hmm. I actually find sometimes it's kind of easier. Like I'm not personally that active on like I think the only platform I'm on personally is like. Facebook and I have a pretty inactive uh, Pinterest account. Mm -hmm. So, and I will like check my personal Facebook like maybe once a day, maybe twice a day. Um, But yeah, if I'm like Thursdays are like mommy daughter days. So like I have my daughter all with me like all Thursday. So I try to only respond to texts and stuff if I have to then. And I put, um, and then every single day I have pretty much quiet hours on my phone um, from like my phone's only really making noise from like nine to nine. And I have almost every single notification turned off. My phone makes like no noise unless someone actually gives me a call. So I try to set up as many, um, things in place that I can to kind of limit some of that so that I am more engaged because I know that I feel better when I go outside, when I'm not with my device and when I'm present in this world. And especially with my daughter, I want to be present with her. So I dig it. Yeah. And I was, I was asking because I can tell that 
you've created space in your life for reflection and asking some of these challenging questions and then checking in with yourself. Um, and it, I, can, I can tell like you have a structure in some capacity where, you know, Thursdays is mommy daughter time, and, yep. you know, nine to nine is, you know, that's phone time. But then after that, it's people time. Right. Well, and I, I mean, I am like, I work in the space. I think about these issues and stuff, but Also, there is something about being like, even like scrolling on Instagram or Facebook, it's super easy to start comparing yourself to other people. Like, Mm -hmm. wow, look at that holiday video, or that must be nice, or look, they're on that trip. I mean, (laughs) it can just trigger like thoughts that you wouldn't normally be having. Uh So I I think it is, and I worry about kind of like the younger generation and how much like they get all of that because it's basically like magazine images, except it's like their friends. Um, I worry about that a little bit, but, but yeah. It's just yeah. it's awareness. Awareness. That's that's another rabbit hole. I'm tempted to go down, but we. Right? I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, FBG Jen, what what are you working on that you're excited about? What's what's uh, on the horizon? Oh, so we are working on kind of some amazingness to be unleashed at our our decade of Fit Bottom Girls. Um, in May, we will celebrate our 10 year birthday, and we're going to be unveiling some pretty big things and changes. Uh, don't want to fully comment on, but it'll be awesome with like giveaways and um, probably like a new look and just a whole bunch of newness. Um, and then in addition to that, we are starting our uh, 10 and 4 weight loss challenge here in a couple weeks. It is a weight loss with self-love program. And you can always get more information at fitbottomedgirls.com slash coaching. Fitbottomedgirls.com slash coaching. Correct. Yeah, it's bottomed. Oh, bottomed. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like this, it's like the Queen song. If you're ever in doubt, just Google yes. that bottomed girls. We are fit bottomed girls. We come in all shapes and sizes. And yeah. Uh, yep. I love it. That was the, the the Queen double disc was one of the first albums I ever had <sighs> after seeing Bohemian Rhapsody on Wayne's World. I was instantly obsessed. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your, your FBG wisdom and mission and uh, all of this stuff that, I mean, I got a lot of value from it as a guy and I think there's stuff on business and there's stuff on health and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Cool. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. This episode is brought to you by the Earth Pulse PEMF Sleep on Command device. If you're looking for better sleep, enhanced mitochondrial function, improved performance, and accelerated recovery, I highly recommend you check out the Earth Pulse. Within the first week of sleeping on my Earth Pulse, I was seeing improved exercise performance, delayed onset of fatigue, I noticed more energy during my workouts, and I was able to break the three-minute mark on a static breath hold. I now sleep on my Earth Pulse PEMF, which stands for Pulsed Electromagnetic Field device every single night. I have the one that has two coils. One goes under your pillow, one goes under your mattress, and I take it with me when I travel. I don't leave home without it. Every time I use my Earth Pulse, I wake up feeling clearer, calmer, and more energized. And I can tell the difference if I skip using it for a few nights. What's even cooler is it's incredibly easy to use. I just 
put it in manual mode, set it to 9.6 hertz, and about 15 minutes before my alarm is going to go off. And that's it. It's very easy, just a couple buttons, and the performance-enhancing benefits are profound. To learn more about the Earth Pulse and check out some of the scientific literature, you can go to biohackingsecrets.com forward slash Earth Pulse. That's biohackingsecrets.com forward slash E-A-R-T-H-P-U-L-S-E. 